First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome to Katz and Cosby, everybody. There is a lot to talk about. Uh, as we're figuring out, we got a whole bunch of news going on, John, today. Boy. Well, control room. I don't know what happened. They were supposed to play a Tony Bennett, uh, Startup song. Yeah, and you know what? How I sad. I left my heart. That's why we didn't need to. We, in San Francisco. We, we didn't need some other music. Ed Cox, look, we have John Katsimatidis <laughs> singing. This is great. It's, but it's a sad day. The good news is he was 96 years old. I'll take it right now. If somebody will certify it, I will take it. And... um uh, but it's, his his music is going to be missed. You know what's amazing, John? What I love, and he has the same work ethic as I think all of us in the room. Um, he literally was on tour. His last concert I was seeing was Radio City uh, 2021 with Lady Gaga. Um, this is a guy who had 20 Grammys, um, had Emmys. Uh, I mean, he was performing up until, you know, just a few years ago, had Alzheimer's. But even with Alzheimer's, was still on the road performing, and I just—he was such a great guy. You know, a different part of the brain does music, and I am sure he didn't forget any words. Yes, that's correct. You're right, and he was but singing was with, flawlessly. I, I was with Frank Sinatra in 1991, 92 in Athens when he had the beginning of Alzheimer's, and uh, he still sounded great. Wow, how beautiful! And by the way, Frank Sinatra once said. That Tony Bennett was the greatest singer he had ever seen. Uh, that, uh, from, that's answer, high praise. Another inside <laughs> story. There's a Frank Sinatra high school in New York. And you know who's responsible for getting out of high school? Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett is the oh, one who pushed for this. Yes. Right How beautiful. And, what an way, incredible life. Uh, we have so much news today in the studio with us. We have uh, Judge Weinberg and Governor Patterson, two common sense Democrats. And we have uh, one, only one common sense Republican. We have Ed Cox. Right in the middle. New York State in the middle. <laughs> and they got him pay, you know, hey, uh, right, right in the middle. And uh, so many things happening today. This morning, uh, New Jersey filed. Uh, filed a uh, lawsuit uh, on congestion pricing, and during five minutes after they filed, as he promised me, Governor Murphy called me. Yep, and uh, we're going to be playing that later on in the show. And uh, we're going to be playing that in, in, in the show, uh, at least a tidbit. And, he was and, awesome. And the entire interview with Governor Murphy will be on on my Sunday Cats Roundtable show. By the way, you are action-packed. You are a dynamo, John, because not only did you talk to Governor Murphy. And then. Yes, go ahead. And then Senator Manchin calls me up from his car, and he says, I want to talk. And uh, we got a little bit tidbit for you with Senator Manchin in in a little while. And uh, uh, we're going to have the whole interview again uh, in... uh, during uh, on Sunday's uh, Cats Roundtable, and Eric Shuffler stopped by. He, they got a dynamite weekend at uh, 
Uh, in the, the beginning, very, when the school the, started, Tony and Susan were here all of the time. When he was. And that? That, that, I don't know, but that sounds like a reminiscence of Tony Bennett. That was a little glimpse of Tony Bennett. That was a tease. I think that's what that's called. I don't it. know what it was. Yeah, I heard Tony and Susan because is Susan's that, his wife. Is that so a, that is was that, a tease. Is that a ghost? It's a ghost. It's a ghost coming in. Is that a ghost? It's a ghost. It's a, by the way, let's also. By um, the way, somebody called Dominic last night. Uh-oh, okay. And says, I love the Cats and Cosby show, but John tells too many jokes. Who tells too many jokes? They accused me of telling too many jokes. I love the jokes. And, and by the way, we got we got one of the best joke tellers in here, Governor Patterson, who makes us laugh all the time. You, know, you, you know always have the best zingers. Sometimes. You do. Sometimes. You need a little bit of humor just to lighten things up. And uh, sometimes it's satire or sometimes it's being a little bit sarcastic uh, because you, sometimes you either want to laugh or cry. And I don't want to laugh and I don't want to cry. So you tell a little bit of uh, humor, sarcasm. Humor can drive a point home too, a serious point. Yes, uh, and yeah, by the way, big off. news today, too. Uh, let's also talk huge stuff coming in on the Trump front. First, that they basically have set the date for the classified documents trial. That's going to be May 2024. Uh, Ed Cox, doesn't that sound a little uh, like May election interference? By the way, we will have a presumptive nominee of the Republican Party then, whoever it will be. Isn't that amazing? So Judge Weinberg, they're going to have the presumptive nominee, according to Ed Cox, of you know of the GOP. Most respectfully, I think it's presumptuous to say that there's going to be a trial in May. There's a lot of documents. There are classified documents. There's going to be exchange of information and discussions between the agencies and the defense counsels are going to be moving to dismiss or to get documents. That means the trial would become part of the general election, and that just doesn't work. Absolutely. Well, joining us now to talk about all – go ahead, Gov. I refuse to have uh, former President Trump's trial start on my birthday. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Is that your birthday? Is May, that May twentieth? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Wow. wow! Wow! Well, there's a lot of stuff going on the, on the May twentieth. You're going to be legal, yes. so you can have a drink for <laughs> once. That's great, Gov. That's great. That's great. Well, why don't we go to our first interview and we'll we'll catch up with some of the tidbits afterwards. Absolutely. We got Kimbler Strassel, uh, the great reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Kim Strassel has a brand new book, by the way. It's called The Biden Malaise, comparing Biden to Carter. She says it's an insult to Carter. Um, <laughs> It's a great book, by the way, um, and everybody, I encourage you to get it. Kim, great to have you here. Um, we've been talking first off about the whole issue of President Trump uh, now finding out on Governor Patterson's birthday is the date when the trial is now being uh, set. And this is by Eileen Cannon. This is the classified documents case smack in the middle of election season, as we're hearing. I mean, the GOP nominee is basically going to be there at that point. Uh, you know, basically it comes after Iowa. It comes after Super Tuesday, all the big ones. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the scenario we could be headed toward here in which, I mean, if, if things continue on their current trajectory, Donald Trump is leading. He could well have all of the uh, electoral votes are close to them that he needs to have sewn this up and then wham, suddenly be in the middle of a federal trial. Um, it's, it's really quite wild. We'll see if this turns out this way. Obviously his team is very interested in getting this pushed beyond the election. And this is such a complex case. I would argue that there will probably be many grounds 
uh, for them to make uh, appeals and, I mean, or motions that would do that in the end. And, Kimberly, it's Richard Weinberg. You're absolutely correct. And a lot of these, because they classify documents and under the statutes, they have a right to an intermediate appeal while this is going on. So this exactly. is this is going to be a very complicated situation. And the most interesting thing to me about this is if they choose not to turn over the documents and the attorney general of the United States can tell the federal judge, don't turn over certain documents, it raises an issue. Have they denied Trump the right of a real defense? Therefore, they should dismiss the indictments. Well, there's all kinds of unprecedented in this. And I keep making this case is that, you know, goodness knows why a special counsel decided to take the unprecedented action of filing uh, charges against a former president on a case that's completely untested and novel in terms of legal theory because we don't really know what the rules of the road are here. Um, so there's probably plenty of other things that the defense team is going to make that, uh, that could make arguments for why this whole thing should be dismissed or that will really chip away at the special counsel's claims. Sure, it's very strange. Ed Cox here, it's very strange that these are about presidential records. And there is a Presidential Records Act, which is clearly applicable, maybe even the controlling law that's not even mentioned in the indictment. I know. Well, that was so noticeable. Clearly, uh, the special counsel chose not to discuss that because he understood it was a big weakness in his case. Well, he's got a Those problem. are the things I always look for when I read indictments is what did you not talk about? <laughs> a real problem that presidential record test has no criminal provisions in it and says that the president's papers shall be made available to the former president. And what about what about the other special counsel who disappeared from the screen? And supposedly investigating Biden when Biden was the vice president, took all those documents or even as a senator. You have heard nothing about that. Yeah. Well, I keep making bets with everyone I run into on the street of the likelihood that that's going to go forward in the end. So let let me ask you, Kim, real quick. Uh, Of course, the huge headline today. Um, also about the FBI informant, all that stuff coming out, the bombshell allegations from the head of Burisma. And there are a lot of people today uh, on the GOP side talking about maybe an impeachment inquiry even after these allegations or a special counsel. Uh, first of all, your thoughts about the stunning allegations, because uh, they're pointing to the president. Again, allegations, but it, it's getting deep. There are allegations. Here's what really struck me. We knew some of this because members of Congress had seen this, and so we had a little bit of the information. We knew it had to do with bribery. We knew it involved supposedly $5 million to both Hunter and to Joe. But here's what was new that came out of this. One, it was really striking the specificity of the details in this. Um, you know, this was not like the, the dossier that launched the Trump-Russia collusion, just sort of these disjointed accusations. This has dates, times, names, places. We know that it absolutely now centers around this question of whether or not Joe Biden played a role in getting a Ukrainian prosecutor fired who was looking into the company, Burisma, that his son served on the board on. But here's the thing that really jumped out at me is that I'm not sure we're using the right word if we're looking at this document and reading it correctly. We keep talking about a bribery allegation. That would suggest that the the Ukrainian businessman went in and bribed the Bidens. He's claiming he was coerced into giving payments, which would make it extortion. Correct. Right. I'm wondering if we're using the wrong word here. Well, I'll give you both. When you ask for the money or you coerce for the money, that's extortion. When you receive the money, you're a recipient of bribed money. 
So you can oh, eat them okay, on both. Okay, well, we can use both. Then. So we can <laughs> use both. They're not mutually fair exclusive. Play, fair play. <laughs> have both. There's no doubt that Biden, as vice president in charge of Ukraine, and the, as far as foreign policy in, in Obama's administration, did uh, fire, get the prosecutor fired. I mean, that was, he, he, he said it. You know, you don't get your billion dollars unless the prosecutor's fired. The question is one of intent. And he That's said all. that in public. Mm. Yes, son of a bee. I remember it's that famous moment yeah, at the Council exactly. of Foreign Relations. Council, you he get bragged exactly. about it. Bragged about it. Well, one other thing that I just I think is worth noting, just because of the comparison, is and because it really puts attention on the FBI. Just compare this as well to the dossier. You know, the dossier was a bunch of allegations that had no bearing in any evidence in the real world, right? I mean, it made up these kind of wild claims that different Trump advisors has been offered shares of money in order to do this or companies, et cetera. What we have here is actually somebody filling in a bunch of details or claims around things that we truly know happen, to your point. We know that Hunter Biden served on the board of Burisma. We know that Joe Biden was involved in the firing of the man who was investigating Burisma. Now we have a source making these continued allegations. But this brings up the question of, given the extraordinary amount of attention the FBI gave to the Christopher Steele dossier, the American public deserves an explanation of just what they have or haven't done to look into this particular allegation. Yeah. And also, Kim, uh, President Trump was impeached, remember, tied to the call uh, where he says, I was looking into corruption with Joe Biden in Ukraine. I mean, here it is. I mean, the irony yep. it doesn't escape me. No, it doesn't escape me either. And I mean, all of this is tied together in the end. And, you know, hopefully uh, we're going to get some more information here. Thanks to the bravery of these whistleblowers, we now know a, bu- a bunch more. Thanks to Senator Chuck Grassley for releasing that 1023 form. Um, there's so much pressure on the Department of Justice. It appears that U.S. Attorney David Weiss is going to come in and at least have a private meeting with House Republicans. And maybe we'll get some better answers yep. here soon about that form. Absolutely. Kim Strassel, thank you so much. Wow, what an interesting day and all these developments. We really appreciate it. Thank you all. Have a great day. Yep. Thank you. Thank and you. congrats on your great book, The Biden Malaise. Thank you, Kim. I think that now they have Governor Murphy's tidbits uh, available. Let's play Governor Murphy's tidbits. With us today is Governor Murphy and of New Jersey, and he's also the chairman of the National Governors Association. And on Friday morning, there was a major lawsuit filed by New Jersey uh, against the Federal Highway Administration. Governor Murphy, can you talk to us about that? John, good to be on with you um, again. And, uh, yeah, so this brings me no joy because we have a very good relationship with the Biden administration, with Governor Hochul and her administration, both generally and personally. But the fact of the matter is that this congestion pricing scheme uh, is going to have enormous financial impact on New Jersey commuters and enormous environmental and negative environmental impact on many communities in our state. The Federal Highway Administration chose to ignore the option of doing what they call a full environmental impact study, uh, which admittedly takes a while, but frankly, it's in something like this with the 
most densely populated region of the United States, if, if you're ever going to pursue that study, it's with a project like this. Uh, they chose not to pursue it. And the fact of the matter is, John, and you and I have talked about this, not only will Jersey commuters get gouged uh, as they try to find their way across the Hudson, but you're going to have a lot of traffic diverted, uh, especially up toward the George Washington Bridge. And I'll be, I, I was in Fort Lee today. Uh, that's a good example of this, where you're going to have enormously negative environmental impacts. And so we are suing to to halt the uh, the current uh, scheme and to and to get the feds to agree to do this environmental impact study. Understood. And um, it, 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 it's crazy what's going on. Uh, I know that the uh, MTA had six people involved uh, and uh, to to make the decision on congestion pricing. And nobody from New Jersey was represented. And just for the record, it was uh, John Banks, president uh, of the real estate board, uh, John Gusto, uh the uh, Long Island Federation of Labor, John, uh, John Samuelson, Elizabeth Velez, uh, Carl Weisberg, Kathy Wild, and they were all involved. And I don't understand why New Jersey wasn't called to be part of that uh, uh, meeting. Nor do I. Um, and by the way, we have I, I know some of those folks personally have enormous regard for the likes of John Samuelson and Kathy Wild, who we do a lot of good work with. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if if this were a normal you know, take away the pandemic reality. We have a couple of hundred thousand commuters going into into Manhattan every day. So we're we're not sort sort of some fly spec here. And the fact of the matter is, uh, we're not going to take it, um, and we're going to take legal action uh, as we have today. Uh, and uh, we we will not relent. This just isn't right. It was a closed session hearing. I understand there was only six people at the meeting. Uh, that uh, uh, that uh, voted for the congestion pricing and and uh, it, it just hurts because New York City is hurting and I always love New York City. We always love New York City. Uh, you worked in New York City for so many years and yeah. And uh, New York Manhattan is hurting. Manhattan does not deserve to die. Hey John, I will say unequivocally, we root for New York City's success and Manhattan's success. I just believe this is not right in, in many levels, including for Manhattan. Wow. Very great. That was a that powerful Governor, interview. Governor Murphy was very, very good. A lot of common sense. You're going to have a disaster on your hands if everybody heads for the George Washington Bridge uh, instead of the Lincoln Tunnel. The, 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 so they don't have to pay the $23. It's a creative lawsuit that and he's a very creative lawsuit. Yes. I, I've got a question for Governor Patterson. That uh, mean, just does leaving. that mean that he is president? <laughs> he's presidential material. If Biden, for some reason, well, not- he's a, he attacked my Biden too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think I guess of? He, I guess, I guess he could be. I'm very interested in what he said though about the board. Only six members of the board voted. No, 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 no. They assigned six people to the board to whack up the to, to, charges to to to, to, no, charges to to uh, approve the, the congestion. congestion pricing. Right, and, and New and Jersey wasn't included. But now, but now you it know, would go... John Banks, who you, the real estate board of New York, uh, former, the, former. Uh, John Durso, the, uh, you know... 338, uh, 338, right? but also the uh, Long Island Labor. Uh, John Samuelson, 
Elizabeth Velez, uh, Carl Weisbrod, and Kathy Wilde. I mean, why would these people want to kill Manhattan? Well, I mean, give I me mean, a break, guys. But, but I, I want to talk about the process for a second, John. So they came up with this recommendation. They were, they were, they, they it were, has, they were appointed to the congestion board, whatever board. it's called, uh, okay. uh, of the MTA. So they did, and that. they approved the deal. Good. But now, no, not good. Not, not good. good. Not good. What, no, what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, has the full board voted on it? I don't know. We'll find out. I, I we got to go to a break. I don't think. I don't think it's over yet. We, we're going to be can't. talking about it. We're going to talk about it afterwards. Okay. Let's go to a break, and then we come back with Larry Kudlow. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly—it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com/slash/AI-for-all. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katzimatidis and Rita Cosby, Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us now is the country's leading economist. Uh, we have Larry Kudlow with us and the number one show on uh, Fox Business Channel between 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock Monday through Friday and the number one show on WABC on on Saturdays between 10 o'clock in the morning and, and 1. Larry Kudlow, what the heck is going on? Stock's up 10 straight days, John. 10 wow. straight days. The S&P 500 is... Um... Four and a half percent below its all-time high. Let me so, ask you something stupid. Is this uh, a if the what? world's coming to an end and there's a recession coming, how would they allow the banks to increase their dividends? Whoa. Whoa. That, that's a good yeah. question. If the world is coming to an end, run that by me again. If the world's <laughs> coming to an end. <laughs> exactly. And, and, Larry, and, we're all trying to figure and, that one and, out. And, and, and depression is coming because everybody says, oh, depression is coming next quarter. Would the, would the Fed allow the banks to raise their dividends, which uh, Bank of America raised their dividend uh, and uh, J.P. Morgan raised their dividend? I mean, something is different. Well, but, if they're profitable. And their balance sheet is good, and their stress tests are good. I don't see why not. So there's no recession coming, maybe. I I think that was a rhetorical question, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm still chewing on that one. I might add, by the way. I I might add, by the way, with all the stock market euphoria, that the conference board's index of leading indicators is now down. 15 straight months, and they are predicting a recession beginning next quarter. You can take that for what it's worth, yeah. but it's a very and valuable the banks raise their dividends. indicator. <laughs> well, I, you know, if the banks are profitable, uh, they can raise their dividends. Yeah, but, but, but that, then that, that means they're not expecting a lot of losses. Uh, that could be. I agree with that. I mean... I like those decisions to be made by banks rather than regulators. So that's just me. So how about the inverted yield curve, Larry? Yeah, there's uh, inverted yield curve spells recession and the M2 money supply has collapsed. But whatever, stocks are up 10 straight days. 
So the Cudlow Trust is doing very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> could, could it have anything to do with you? You call Larry, it. I love your laugh. <laughs> I like laughing I, on a Friday afternoon. I know, Larry, you make, I'm, I'm laughing hysterically hearing I'm your all, laugh. It's great. We could have a whole I, show I, with Rita and Larry laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been long stocks forever. I don't want to own bonds. Uh, I mean, is it a moment for caution? I suppose so. But. In the long run, uh, you know, I think people should own the indexes, the S&P 500 index. You're basically owning all of America and, and much of overseas. And I think that strategy pays off over the long run. Short term, you may get some hiccups and bumps. But, you know, right now the stock market is hot. I think it started with the tech and AI story, but I think it's spread. Um the big banks have done very well. Not all banks, but the big banks have done well. And there's some pretty good movement in industrials. Or, you know, as Greenspan said many, many years ago, stocks might be irrationally exuberant. Who knows? I don't understand the short run. All I'm saying is they're up 10 days in a row. Whoopee. Um, you know, Larry, you were talking earlier. I was watching you, um, and you were talking a lot about all the Biden bribery stuff. I, yeah. You are really yeah. hot on on this. Uh, tell us what your thoughts of where this is headed. Well, the thing is, that this is very interesting because what Chuck Grassley put out yesterday, the 1023, uh, which he didn't get, he got from another source, but he put that out. And it's very important distinction here. In fact, Burisma did not bribe uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden insisted it was a shakedown that Burisma pay him and his son and put his uh, keep his son on the board uh, in order for him to go after the Ukrainian prosecutor Shokin. So it what it did. See, Burisma actually did not want to pay Biden, and that's in this 1023 document. It's a completely different story than the one that many of us had been talking about. Now, these are all allegations, to be sure, so I want to be absolutely fair here. But it really looks like it was Biden who forced the play so he could get his $5 million and Hunter could get his $5 million and Hunter could stay on the board. This is a strange story. It's a different story than the one that originally came out. But this is what came from uh, Chuck Grassley's 1023. And the... Um, the informant, the FBI informant, who's a highly regarded guy, they paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars down through the years. The informant was advising Burisma not to pay Biden. And the Burisma CEO says in the 1023, I didn't want to pay him, but he forced me to pay him. And he used some kind of Russian criminal slang word, uh, which in a sense means extortion. So this is going to take off in the coming week. And uh, the um, oversight committee is going to be looking after this. I mean, how in the world, Rita, how could the FBI, which has had this information now for at least six years, how can they not have investigated this? It's yeah, remarkable. It is it's remarkable. Beyond, it's beyond belief to me. So, yeah, we covered this story uh, very carefully. We covered it last night very carefully also. Yeah, no, it is remarkable. And, and what we'll happened with these allegations? You're going to be talking about it? Yeah, I know I'll you will. I'll be listening tomorrow morning on uh, WABCradio.com worldwide and the solar system. Uh, what about and, the galaxy? Uh, uh, between oh, the 10 Milky and 1. Way. And the Milky Way. It runs throughout the Milky Way. And Very I, important. On your, iPhone, on your iPhone, available in 185 <laughs> countries. At, on your iPhone at 
77 WABC. Absolutely. Very important. Larry, you're laughing again, which we love on a Friday. <laughs> Thanks, kids. Have Thank you. Days. I'll be listening America's in the morning. It is. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Eric Shuffler to talk about this weekend of Ferry Hawks. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. There's a seven o'clock game is on. And the game is starting tonight, right, John, at the Ferryhawk Stadium. They are, of course, in Staten Island, which is so awesome. And just a little bit ago, John talked with Eric Shuffler all about it. Take a listen. Well, stopping in here by the studio is Eric Shuffler. He's the president of the Ferryhawks. And, Eric, I know you're underway to the, to the ball game in, in Staten Island. And, and, and give us an update. What's happening tonight? What's happening Saturday? What's happening Sunday? Big, big weekend at the best ballpark with the best view in America. We have a bobblehead tonight with bacon, egg, and cheese. The team is playing in special uniforms, giving out bobbleheads to the first 500 fans. Tomorrow, we have Christmas in July, picture with Santa Claus, fireworks after the game against that awesome lower Manhattan skyline. Amazing Sunday, John. I know you're coming out. We're giving out another Frankie the Ferryhawk patriotic military bobblehead as we have our Salute to veterans to honor all the men and women who put on uniforms, past, present, and keep us safe every day. Wow. So you're doing Christmas in July. My <laughs> God. Is Santa Claus going to be there? Santa Claus will be there. This is what a great bargain Ferryhawk Baseball is. For $24, you can get a ticket, a Christmas Ferryhawk ornament, and a picture with Santa. And see fireworks after the game Saturday night. And Sunday? Sunday with Tunnels to Towers, our Salute to Veterans game. Kids run the bases afterwards. Full weekend. It's really going to be super fun. And it's Veterans Day on uh, Sunday. You're celebrating uh, our veterans? We are honoring all of our veterans. And we have several military bases on Staten Island. We have a lot of those families coming in just our way. And Tunnels to Towers is uh, helping sponsor that? Tunnels to Towers is the game sponsor. We're doing everything in coordination with them. Just our way to say thank you. Well, there's always we always have to say thank you to our veterans. That's why uh, this is the land of the free. It is. Very appreciative, very grateful. You know, John, I know a couple of exciting things we've going on. We've, we've signed a couple of new players, a lot of local kids. We have a kid from New Jersey who's the Rutgers all-time home run leader. I know a lot of WABC listeners are from all over New York and New Jersey. This kid in his first three games, five for ten, hit his first career home run last night. It's really exciting when we watch – you know, the Staten Island, you know, the third professional baseball team in New York City, give these local kids this chance to fulfill their dream and succeed. And we're talking, talking to Eric Scheffler. He's the president of the Ferry Hawks and, uh, uh, in Staten Island, New York's third biggest, uh, team, uh, besides the Yankees and the Mets and, uh, Ferry Hawk Stadium. And you can go, uh, the Ferry Hawk Stadium, uh, through, uh, Staten Island Ferry or you can drive there. It's an, in the northern part of Staten Island, and you can see the Statue of Liberty, and you can see the uh, entire 
skyline. That's it. Best view of any ballpark in America. Eric, I'll see you later at the ball game. Play ball. Play ball. God bless. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to see which day I'm going to go out to Staten Island. It's uh, going to be a beautiful uh, weekend. Absolutely. And, it's going to uh, be great weather. Uh, yes, great weather. And and Eric is president, but I forgot to mention I'm chairman. Yeah, I was going to say, you're chairman, right? And and and, <laughs> and the Yankees are part owners. And I don't own, but I'm a fan. And the Yankees are part owners. <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's a and, good combo. Uh, right now, who do we have? We have Gordon Chang to we tell have, us what the heck is going on. And by the way, after Gordon, I want to tell everybody, we are going to hear from a little bit of your interview with uh, Senator Joe Manchin. And we have Is Trump's- he going to run? Stay tuned. Is Joe Manchin going to run? For president on the third party. No labels party. And also we have Trump's brand new attorney, uh, John Lauro. He's going to be joining us. He is handling all the special counsel Stay stuff. Tuned, He's going to be a big Gordon show. First. Yep. And Gordon joining us now to talk about all of this is the great Asia expert. His Twitter is Gordon G. Chang. Uh, Gordon, there's some huge news today with China. Uh, this hacking is wild. Uh, hacking of several cabinet officials by China uh, of their emails. Uh, Nicholas Burns, who's the U.S. ambassador right to China, and you've got some others in the State Department. Uh, it sounds like they got hundreds of thousands of emails, right? Well, they certainly have. And this is while China is talking about trying to establish a cooperative relationship with the United States. Now, uh, we have heard Biden have been official administration officials say, oh, well, you know, this is normal type hacking. We hack them, they hack us. That misses an important point, and that is China is talking about going to war. It's preparing to go to war, and that means every bit of information they get from us is probably going to be used in a war. So this is not the time to be complacent. This is not the time to minimize what the Chinese are doing. Yeah, 1,000%. What What could they have gotten, by the way? You know, you think about, at least we know about it, but it happened, we found out about it, what, after the fact. What does that say about our uh, security? Well, they, what they got, your first question is, um, in anticipation of uh, Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken's trip to Beijing, they got information about that. Um, clearly, they got general information. This was unclassified emails. Um, this was obtained from Microsoft's cloud. Uh, but nonetheless, they got insight into American thinking about these trips. So although it was not um, top secret stuff, it was important for them. And it was important enough for them to spend a lot of effort to try to get it. You know, it it comes on the heels. As soon as I heard this, um, there was a question about, oh, well, what do you think about it? And people in the Biden administration were like, well, we didn't really like it. I'm thinking you didn't really like it. Uh, That's sort of the way they responded on the spy balloon. I mean, there's so many issues. What kind of message are we sending to Beijing? Uh, American feebleness is what we're sending. Um, You know, when Janet Yellen bowed three times to a subordinate official in the Chinese government, basically we were telling the Chinese, look, we're a vassal and we are coming to your grand celestial court. You know, we've sent the Secretary of State, then Janet Yellen, now John Kerry, um, without a return visit from the Chinese. This is just American weakness. Ed Cox, you have a lot of experience with the Chinese because your father-in-law was President Nixon. Uh, do you feel that message went across to the Chinese like that? Of course. That's what they assume. They are the middle kingdom, and everyone comes to pay them tribute. That's the way they, they, they've always seen it historically. And now that they have an emperor, an emperor Xi, 
that's the way he's behaving. Very sad. Very yeah. sad. And uh, David Patterson, you got a question, Governor Patterson. So, Gordon, I think people who follow this, like yourself, uh, have expected that at a certain point, China was really going to start moving on this. But I get the feeling, because usually China has moved in scores of years as opposed to four-year election cycles. But I get the sense that they're sensing a weakness on our side. I remember in the presidential debate between uh, President Trump and Joe Biden, uh, and they said, uh, what are you going to do when uh, when China uh, breaks the rules? He says, well, they have to follow the rules. That's really not an answer. And and so I'm wondering how you feel about that. Yeah, it's certainly not an answer. We hear a lot from the Biden administration officials that we're going to impose costs or we're going to hold them accountable for, for instance, these email hacks. We heard that from Secretary of State Blinken, from Jake Sullivan, um, from Jean, uh, Gina Raimondo, um, the Commerce Secretary. And yet we're not doing anything. We're not holding them accountable. And that really is the issue, because until we start imposing costs on China that are greater than the benefits they receive, they will continue to do this. Gordon, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me ask you a different question. Why did former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger go to China? Was that a a back ramp to try to establish some sort of relationship again? Was that him on his own? What was that all about? Yeah, I'd like to know who paid for this trip, um, because that will tell us a lot in terms of the answer to your question. Kissinger believes that uh, war between China and the United States is, as he said, quote unquote, probable. And he believes that something must change. But unfortunately, China is becoming more militant and the Biden administration is not deterring China. So I think that Kissinger and I'm trying to be charitable here, that Kissinger is trying to establish those lines of communication that can prevent a war. But what he is doing, I think, is accelerating a war by showing a lack of resolve, by undercutting Biden administration officials. So this is not a good move on, on Kissinger's part. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a good move. And um, I'll tell you, it's just uh, mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. And, and, and it's mind. It's stunning to me just the lack of Ad, effort by Admiral our administration. Admiral Stavridis has updated his number on war with China to 2054, I think. Wow. Your thoughts, Gordon? Well, it, it, it's, coming, it's coming soon. Right now, you've got the Chinese economy um, really eroding fast. And Xi Jinping has no answers to that other than to rally the Chinese people with a conflict. We also know that there is high-level infighting right now because the foreign minister has not been seen since June 25, and he is a protege of Xi Jinping. The way to attack a leader in Communist Party politics is to attack his protégés. So it means that Xi Jinping himself is under pressure, which means you've got a leader under pressure, country falling apart. Um, there are no good outcomes here. Here's my joke again. Did he go above the fifth floor? <laughs> <laughs> that what, what happens in Russia, right? I mean, similar pattern. David Patterson. Patterson. So, um, Gordon, in 2018, speaking at one of those conferences, uh, President Xi said that he thought that China should rule the uh the world by 2049 and the Milky Way. And, 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 and the point really is that the more they see a lack of opposition, the more they're moving that date up. Yes. Um, you know, Xi Jinping talks about Tianxia, which is all under heaven, which is the imperial era notion that the Chinese ruler not only has the right to rule the entire world, but also has the obligation to. 
And since 2017, Chinese officials have been talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign Chinese territory. So they're becoming much more aggressive. We are seeing this in not only their diplomacy, but also their territorial claims in the here and now. So um, China is becoming a much more um, difficult partner for anybody. And right now, nobody can deal with China. As China says, nobody can influence China. That's what they say. Well, if that's the case, then we're really in trouble. Yeah, that really is, Gordon. Thank you. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless America, and uh, let's pray for uh, better, better results. Thank you so much. I think China should let us keep the moon, and they can have Mars because it's a red planet. Yeah, the Milky Way. (laughs) That's it. Thank you, and good night. That was a good one, Governor. That was a good one. That was a good one. (laughs) Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Gordon. And uh, right now, I did a uh, a um, a great uh, interview. Great interview with uh, Senator Manchin. Is he going to run for president? He's going the full interview will be on uh, Sunday on the Cats Roundtable. But we have a two minute tidbit first. And then we're going to take a break. Let's go to a two-minute tidbit. Well, I had put you uh, uh, in the same category with all my common sense friends, and uh, I do know uh, the people at uh, uh, at uh, No Labels, uh, Senator uh, Lieberman, a good friend for 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 right. forever, and uh, and uh, I just recently met uh, uh, Governor Hogan from Maryland and uh, our other governor from. Uh, Oh, is it North Carolina or South Carolina? Uh, that it's involved. Yeah, Pat, Pat McCoy, North Carolina. Pat yeah, McCoy, North Carolina. North Carolina. And you, they all have common sense. And uh, Nancy Jacobson, I go back with Nancy Jacobson that, that runs uh, No Labels Day to Day back to when she was chief of staff to Evan Bayh. And, uh. Well, these are all good people. They really are and they care about it. John. Back in 2010, when I became a senator, I, uh, I was governor in my second term at West Virginia. I was in two years in my second term, and I loved the job, and I was able to do something every day to help people have a better life, and it was very fulfilling. But what had happened, Bob Bird passed away in June of 2010. I had to make a decision. I thought, well, my state's in good shape. Maybe I can take that common-sense approach to Washington. Maybe I can do better and help people there. And that's what I did. When I got there, I said, oh, my goodness, I made a big mistake. Uh, this place is not working the way I thought it would work and the way it should work. Uh, and the way that we as governors had to work, which is making everyday common sense decisions to help our states. We take an oath, the same whether you're Democrat or Republican, to defend and protect the Constitution. And that's, that's really the, the holy grail that we, that we work for every day. And right now, the business model of the Democrat and Republican Party puts themselves, I believe, and what I've seen, and we need to, we need to basically push them back to the center left, center right, where basically the good old GOP and the good old Democrat and blue dogs and all of them in the central center central part of the uh, of our parties can make those decisions because right now it's not happening. So if if that third party if it moves in that direction, if there's a desire for that, we'll see. If the two parties get off their respective high horse on the extreme right and left. And where they're making people divide and pick a side, uh, that's not who we are, John. The only, we should all be on the same side. You might have a different opinion and a different way of uh, approaching fixing a problem, but we should be able to identify that we all have a problem that needs to be fixed.
Okay, that was Senator Manchin, and the whole interview will be on uh, Sunday on uh, the Cats Roundtable on WABC Radio and wow. and worldwide on WABCRadio.com and 185 countries on your iPhone at 77 WABC app. And uh, He's the one to listen to. I can't wait to hear the whole interview. Well, he, All eyes they're on considering him. running him for president. And Hey, Governor Patterson, would you like to be vice president? Uh, if asked... By uh, Mr. Manchin, maybe. Okay. Oh, All there right. you go. Save America. Great for Patterson. All Save. right, let's take a break right now. When we come back. Yeah, we have President Trump's brand new attorney who is working with him, combating what may be a soon indictment from Jack Smith on January 6th. <laughs> uh, he is on fire. He's coming up after the break. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back to Katz and Cosby. Well, some huge news on the President Trump front. Uh, first, a judge has set May 20th, 24 for a trial date on the classified documents case. And also, President Trump is saying that he is expecting an indictment to come at any time on January 6th. Uh, that's also by the special counsel, Jack Smith. Well, joining us now is President Trump's new attorney working on the January 6th material with him. Uh, wow, a lot on your hands, John Loro. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And first off, um, let's get to this trial date. I mean, how crazy. He's going to be smack dab in the middle of, you know, of the election process and probably the nominee at that point based on the polls now. Uh, how is this not election interference? Well, that, well, first of all, good afternoon, Reader and John. This is exactly election interference, and this is what um, I fear most. We're, we're in unprecedented territory right now. We have a current president using his Justice Department to take out a predecessor and someone who's running against him, a political opponent, using the criminal justice system. That has never happened in the United States before. And the basis of that criminal case, at least with respect to the January 6th matter, involves all actions that President Trump took as chief executive of the country. The president had a responsibility to execute the laws faithfully and point out when there were election discrepancies, which he did. And and he certainly advocated a position And now he's being prosecuted potentially for political speech. This is incredible. This is a road to oppression. This is a road which which we've never thought the United States would travel. We're becoming a banana republic. It's awful. You know, uh, Trump attorney John Lauro, it's amazing to me. And I think about on January 6th, President Trump said, and it's on video, you know, peacefully and patriotically. I I mean, to me, I, I don't know where they're going with this. 
Well, the, the one interesting thing is they're, they're, they've indicated that they have no interest in indicting him for his speech because for the last two years they've been saying President Trump had nothing to do with the violence on Capitol Hill. So that's now off the table. Even though a lot of people have made issues of his speech, they're not threatening that. What they're threatening is all of the president's political positions. Number one, saying that the election had irregularities. Number two, um, that that Mike Pence should just halt the voting on January 6th with respect to the contested states and allow a re-audit. That's the only thing the president said. This is the first time in American history that someone is going to be indicted for asking for an audit, for trying to get to the truth. And what they've threatened now is to say that that request by President Trump to get to the truth is criminal and an obstruction of justice. In this very same week, in the very same week that Joe Biden is under, should be under investigation for a major bribery scandal. And, and what was so shocking, Rita, is that this letter came to President Trump while he had just gotten home on Sunday night. So somebody in the Department of Justice was rushing to get that out in advance of all the bad news that was occurring this week with regard to Joe Biden. Where do you see it going? Um, do you have any indication how imminent an indictment? I mean, you know better than anybody, uh, Attorney John Loro, that when you get a target letter, and we've seen the history, there seems to be a pattern here, as you're talking about. It's like uh, the double standard to me is very blaring, uh, and yet it keeps coming at Trump, and he keeps getting these target letters, and pretty soon after, he gets indicted. Have you gotten any indication how soon that could come? Well, you're exactly right. Usually uh, a, a target letter means that they're about to indict. And and the unfortunate thing is for our country is that all of these criminal cases are lined up. There's collusion. There's coordination. They're being done. They're being they're being done in a pattern to try to take Trump out of the election and make sure that instead of talking about the issues that the American people are interested in, he has to deal with criminal cases. I have to emphasize one point. The Justice Department has no statute of limitations problem. They can bring this case. They can bring these cases after the election. They're choosing to bring them before the election to tie Trump up, Mr. Trump up in knots so that he can't effectively campaign. Um, the American people are going to see through this. They know what's going on. I will tell you one thing, though. If they indict him on J6, it's going to be a fight on every single issue relating to the 2020 campaign. Well, you have to come back on again soon. Uh, Attorney John Loro, thank you very much thank for you. being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And wow. what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. We need God's blessing. <laughs>